What's good, people? We back. Mo, BJ's with me as always. The Hoop Genius Podcast, fourth day in a row. We're starting off 2022 the right way. BJ, how are you doing today, sir? Mo, I'm talking basketball with you. Mm. Oh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Mm. Listen. What's going on in the NBA? What's going on in the NBA? There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. And right now, we got to talk about a very special player making his return to the court last night. Mm. Making his return to a team. An iconic player. So many moves in his bag. We're talking about the one and only Mr. Lance Stevens. I, I mean, Kyrie Irving playing in Indiana last night. Even though Lance Stevenson was there back on the Pacers, which you absolutely love to see. We got to talk about Kyrie Irving, 22 points, four assists, nine of 17 from the field. The point guard guru is only right. It's only right that I come to the point guard guru to get the breakdown. What did you see from Uncle Drew last night? Were you impressed with what you saw? Did it live up to your expectations? Do you think he'd do better or worse? What are your thoughts? What well, was very impressive that Kyrie in 32 minutes of work can have 22 points, three rebounds, four assists, three steals, one block, and make the moves and play the way he's been playing. Now, I don't know what kind of workout regimen he's on to stay in that type of shape. I need it. <laughs> but we all need that. I need that. And that was impressive. That was impressive. The fact that he's just back, comes back on the road, I might add, mm-hmm. and just has that type of impact. And he has not only one arguably top 10 or top five player on his team, they may have three top 10 players. Yeah, and we're being conservative. Harden's looking. We're being conservative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for him to come back, have this type of impact, but the thing that was impressive, Mo, was the swag. Come on, man. That's what Kyrie does. Swag. No, not just with Kyrie. I'm talking about with the rest of the team. Did you see KD? Yep. Well, here's what KD said. Here's here's what KD said. He said it was amazing to have him out there. I missed his presence in the locker room and his energy around the team. His game is just so beautiful. It makes the game so much easier for everybody out there. The game of basketball is happy to have him back. Now, that to me speaks volumes because he starts off by not even talking about having him on the court. It's just having him around the team, having him just be around. And then he talks about him being on the court and the impact that that's having on his teammate. So it just seems like... They're, they're going to enjoy playing together. Do you know what I mean? Because I think sometimes people might take it for granted a little bit. And now they've got Kyrie back. They're like, wow, like this guy really missed him. Well, you have to miss him. You know, as I was watching the game, if you go double KD, you still have James Harden on one wing and you have Kyrie at the other. If you go double James Harden, I mean, it's really unfair when you watch them on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game was so easy mm-hmm. for KD tonight. I mean, so easy for him. I mean, he was just, he's getting to his places. I mean, KD has a 39 point effort and it's just, just simple one, two pull up dunk. 
He doesn't have to worry about double teams. They play in transition and they're tough when they have it going like that. I mean, 129 points on the road. I mean, wow. Yeah. What, what an effort. I'm interested to see when they come up against a good team because the Pacers have been absolutely abysmal this season, 14 and 25. Um, everyone's on a trade block. I'm a bit concerned about the Pacers. I'm very concerned about the Pacers. So I'm interested to see, you know, the Nets' next few fixtures on the road. Of course, Kai still can't play at home, so they've got the Bucks in the next game at the Barclays Center. Kyrie's just going to have to watch that one. I wonder now that he's around the team, how much more tempting or tempting i don't know what the right word is but how much more he could consideration be he would put into yeah, yeah. getting yeah because because now you've got a taste of what you missed and now you're gonna have to sit at home and watch your team go up against Giannis in the bucks the team that knocked you out of the playoffs last season because you couldn't play because you turned your ankle and were injured so you didn't have a choice but to miss that series but now you have the choice and you're still missing the game. I wonder how that's going to play on his mind. What stood out to me when I saw Kyrie, when I watched the warm-ups before the game, I was a little concerned because he looked like he had lost a significant amount of weight. He looked quite skinny, you know what I'm saying? When he was going through his warm-ups, I was thinking, man, this guy, he ain't been in the weight room, whatever. But, but Kyrie's game's not built on that, man. Kyrie's a bucket, you know what I'm saying? Guys like him, guys like Jamal Crawford, you know, when you've got handles like that, you don't need to be built like that. But, you know, carry on his vegan diet. He, he was looking a bit skinny. But then when I watched him play, the speed at which he played, there was one bucket where he got out in transition. And the way he just went down the court, no one was keeping up with him. He hasn't lost a step. He's been out for, when was the last time he played basketball? Was it in May? Was it in June? He ain't played a game since then. And yet here he is. He's looking like the quickest player on the court. He's got his jump shot still nice. He's making plays for his teammates. I think he started off with that lovely assist, just finding KD with a simple pass when the defense was all looking at him. Man, I'm so happy. The, the vaccine stuff aside, everyone can have their opinion on that. Like, I'm not here to discuss that and, and debate politics, whatever. I just love the game of basketball. And seeing Kyrie Irving play it, seeing what he can do with his off-the-dribble moves, pull-up jump shots, get into the rack. Listen, I, I thought it was amazing. So let me ask you this, BJ. NBA Finals, Game 7, but the Nets are at home. Are we, are, are we are already at the NBA Finals? No, no, no. It's just, this is a hypothetical, <laughs> hypothetical right? Game 7, yeah. NBA Finals, the Nets are at home, okay? They're going up. I don't know. They're going up against the Warriors. Do you think, or if you were take the vaccine for that Game 7, chance to win an NBA championship. It's just one more game. But you know your team is going to miss you if you're not there and you could realistically lose the finals by not playing. You know, I mean, those are things I don't really like to think about because of the seriousness of what's yeah. going on. Okay, we're talking about a basketball game. And then when you look at the numbers of all of the people around the world that have been affected and the lives that have been lost and all of the things that's going on, I just want to keep it in this proper perspective. I would hope that 
everyone would make the best choice possible for themselves and their loved ones. Okay, I'm not here to get into politically what you should or shouldn't do, but I would hope that everyone would make the best decision mm. that uh, would allow everyone to return back to whatever this new normalcy would be by protecting not only yourself, but your loved ones and your environment and your community, your country, so forth and so on. So let's hope that as Kyrie continues to go through his process, that he will come to a conclusion that it's just not about him, that it's, it's about everyone trying to work together because there's one thing Mo, that whatever your views may be on this, the only way we're going to get through this one is together. Facts. <laughs> Facts, man. Okay. Listen, I'm trying to get back That's... out. I'm trying to get back out around the world. I'm trying to get back out of my house. I'm trying to not be worried about all the people around me. So listen, do what you got to do. You got to do. But come on, let's think about everyone else. But back to the basketball. I liked what yes. I saw. I was watching that, that second half, fourth quarter in particular. Brooklyn held Indiana down to just 20 points in the fourth. Their defensive rotations looked nice. They were playing with energy. I liked high school. I know we all talk about the offense. We all talk about the offense because that's the fun part of the game. But I liked what I saw from the Brooklyn defense down in that fourth quarter last night. What were your oh. thoughts on that? Brooklyn and defense? Yeah. yeah. I don't we, know if that goes together. Does that go together? Well, does against, that go together? Against the Pacers, it does. I don't know about when you play a okay. real team. But but against the, the 14 and 22 Indiana Pacers, it's going to go together. Well, that, that's going to be their calling card if they're going to win a championship this year. You know, if they're going to win, they're going to have to stop someone. And the fact that they're given the effort, they're given the energy. And I think Coach Nash is going to have to really get them to play defensively to be very consistent, right? Do they have to be as good as the Golden State Warriors? Probably not. But do they have to be consistent enough to where they can depend on their defense so that opposing teams can't exploit matchups exploit their lack of you know second efforts ability to get around screens absolutely so if they continue to show that type of effort against better teams when i say better teams teams that have a better record than the indiana pacers i think then we're talking something serious and offensively we have no questions but can they continue to get better on the defensive end be a very solid defensive team because they're going to need that. And along with their ability to score, because they're going to do that at a very elite level, I think that's going to make them a very, very tough out in a seven-game series. Oh, for real. But I do want to, while we're here, while we're talking about the Indiana Pacers, I do want to give a shout-out to Born Ready, Mr. Lance Stevenson, dropping a 30-piece. Yes. Can we because, get to the fun stuff, Mo? Come listen, on. Listen, because, 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 man, come on, man. I love Lance Stevenson. The way that he used to just troll LeBron in the playoffs, the way that he plays his air guitar when he hits a big shot and he brought out the air guitar again. Listen, I love Lance Stevenson. I love everything about what he brings. But I want to get to the fun stuff from last night because over in Dallas, not only did the Dallas Mavericks knock off the Golden State Warriors, holding them to only 82 points. Steph Curry had a very quiet game with only 14. Draymond Green had two points. Three rebounds and only four assists, which is very quiet for him. Luka Doncic, 26 points, seven rebounds. Led the Dallas Mavericks to the win, but that wasn't the fun part. The fun part came after okay. the game where the jersey right. 
of Dallas Mavericks legend, the greatest ever Dallas Maverick, Mr. Dirk Nowitzki, the dunking Deutschman, was lifted to the rafters and he was honored for his fantastic career in the NBA. BJ, I know you, you might have only played a couple years when, when Dirk came into the league first as a rookie, but what's your favorite memories from Dirk's career from, you know, just even being a fan of, of the game and watching what he did with the Dallas Mavericks? Well, you know, Dirk, first of all, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, to, to Mr. Nowinski. And what a marvelous career he had. And he put together a career like we hadn't seen because he really ushered in an era of this stretch four where he was shooting, you know, from the, from range and from that distance at a consistency that we hadn't seen before from a seven footer. Mm -hmm. So Dirk really changed how you defended on the perimeter with the bigs. When I say change, that's who he was. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't do it once or twice like a Bill Lambeer or a game. I mean, Dirk was capable of doing it eight, 10 and hitting threes at a, at a, at a, at a serious rate. But my first, I can remember the first time I saw him play was at the, I want to, I want to get the name correct here. It was at the Rocky mountain review when summer league was in Utah. Yep. And there was this seven foot blonde kid with long hair <laughs> was playing the point guard position. Mm -hmm. And Don Nelson was the coach. And he was playing the point guard position. Now, anyone who knows Don Nelson, he, he does things a little non-traditional, let's say. Mm -hmm. where he'll put, you know, whether it was Paul Pressey or run TMC and Golden State. Mm -hmm. He always, you know, he would junk up the game. He didn't have a problem with that. You know, Manute Bowl, the late Manute Bowl, he would have shooting threes. But the, in this particular instance Dirk Nowinski was playing the point guard position the entire summer league that's like two weeks yep and the first time I saw it I was like okay one quarter one quarter goes by okay he he mimics the point guard position second quarter goes by I'm like this kid's not bad and then he you began to realize there was something a little different about yep. this kid. And young Dirk was quick as well. Young Dirk was oh, like, hey, people in my generation. We only know Dirk. Well, not we, but as in people my age and younger, they only know Dirk from let's say 2010 onwards, where it's back to the basket, one legged fadeaway. They don't right, know no, no, Dirk was, that young Dirk was, was flying all over the court. Yeah. And, and by the second or third game, cause I, I, I was, I was watching him. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, this kid is, like, serious. And by the end, it was clear that he, he was a very special talent. Now, he was doing this as a seven-footer. He wasn't, like, six, 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 seven, even six, eight. He was, like, seven. He was a seven-footer kind of putting it behind his back, spinning and he was shooting fadeaways, you know? He was shooting fadeaways, but he was comfortable shooting fadeaways. He wasn't shooting fadeaways because 
he couldn't get his shot off. It was like, that was his game. And he had a confidence about him that you were like, okay, I'm going to keep my eye on him. And, and remind, I want to remind everyone the, the reason that I had so much respect for Dirk, because the power four position in that era, he was playing against Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Chris Weber. It was an elite Steve era. Wallace. Elite era. It was Charles Barkley was still hanging around. Carl Malone. The power forward position was stacked with just elite players. And Dirk Nowinski more than held his own and excelled when that position was stacked, okay, with Hall of Fame level talents. So hats off to Dirk. I remember the first time I saw him. I saw this kid bouncing around the court and then he evolved to where he had a post game. And then he put the cherry on top is what he started doing that one leg, whatever that was. I don't even know if it was, you know, now it's a move, but I honestly, I felt Dirk did that because he just didn't have the athleticism that he once had and he yeah. did it out of necessity. I mean, that was just my honest assessment but maybe maybe that was a move like you see you know you see kevin durant do i'm like kevin durant no one can block your shot anyway so why are you why are you doing the one leg fall this away? is the ultimate tribute is everyone tries to do that move now luka Doncic did it the other night kevin durant even lebron james tries to do it and you know for me my favorite you know my favorite part of Dirk's career 2011 finals we can't talk about Dirk without discussing that final series but it was when Dirk was playing. I know everyone talks about Michael Jordan and the flu game, but Dirk was playing and he was unwell. He had the flu or, or whatever he played. Now, obviously, now this day and age, it would be insane to go and play basketball knowing that you've got the flu or you're unwell or you're coughing and sneezing. But back then, that's before all this madness, right? But they had D-Wade and LeBron James, who were a bit younger. They were mocking Dirk Nowitzki in the press conference or when they were walking into the arena. They were mocking Dirk Nowitzki. And Dernowski came out and took over the series and won the finals where nobody in the world, I did not see anybody saying that the Dallas Mavericks were going to win that series against the newly formed big three of the Miami Heat. And listen, Dernowski, I once had the chance to speak to Dernowski and I said to him, listen, this is when I, was, when I was a kid, I said to him, yo, man, I'm trying to shoot this fadeaway that you've got going on. What's the secret? What's the, give me some tips. Give me some advice on shooting a fadeaway. Do you know what he said to me? Do you know what he said What's to me? That? Focus on shooting normal jump shots, kid. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but 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 when you when you when you go into the answer, right? He said, until you master the art of shooting a straight up jump shot, normally you shouldn't worry about overcomplicating with things like fadeaways and and other things like that. He's like, you have to really master the jump shot before because obviously he's known for his fadeaway, but he was an elite three-point shooter. He's, they call him the greatest shooting big man that the NBA has ever seen. Now, whether that's true or not, that's, that's up to your personal opinion, but we do have to put some respect on one of the greatest European yes. players to ever grace the league, played 21 seasons with the same franchise. Wow. The only player to ever do that. The longevity in that he played in what? Three different decades. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, no, he's had an incredible career. And it was a pleasure watching him, a pleasure thinking, what, what is he in the top 10 scoring? 
of all time. He's got to be in the top 10 or so. Yeah. Playing there in Dallas his entire career and winning that optimum prize at the end. You know, just, I mean, think about it. He plays 21 season and in those 21 seasons, a hall of fame career and was celebrating all of his brilliance and things. You know, he's, he only won the final game of the season once in his career. I mean, you think about that. Yep. You, and, we'll and that should just tell you, that just tell you how difficult it is to win. So, but give him credit for persevering, for going through all the trials and tribulations. And I'm sure there were many, many frustrating years and moments and ends of the season. Yeah, and, and, and Like we all have. That's why the win against Miami was so special because back in 2006, if you guys are new, if I say in 2006, Dallas had a 2-0 lead in the NBA Finals, and they ended up losing to D-Wade and Shaquille O'Neal on the Miami Heat. So for him to get that championship against the Miami Heat, I think that just made it a little bit extra special. And then last night was it was funny to me because they were obviously playing the Warriors, and I just said, hey, listen, like, I love Dirk Nowitzki, but please no one mention the We Believe Warriors because that's, that's kind of the low point of his career. But, you know, looking back on it, if, if the, the worst part of his career is losing a playoff series, so be it, because that man well, is it, a it legend of the game. You know, he can't win yeah, everything. It, 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 it's going to happen. I mean, that's that's part of it. That's why you play. And, and uh, again, congratulations. And, you know, was, we're talking about everything he did on the court. But, you know, I got a chance to, to know Dirk a little bit. I never played with Dirk. But what a true gentleman. Mm-hmm. All-time nice gentleman. guy. All time, nice yeah, guy. He, he's a, he's he's a, he, he's a class act, and you know what? You know, I just want to say thank you for his dedication, for his brilliance. I mean, we you know he's arguably if he's not the greatest big shooting, he's arguably up there with with all of the great shooters. You know, you know he had as pretty of a jump shot as I as I've seen. You know, Larry Legend is the one that always did it for me. But Dirk Nowinski, I mean, what a pretty ball. The arc, the, the raised elbow. I mean, mm-hmm. every time he shot it, it looked like it was going in. He had a pretty shot, right? It was a pretty. It was money. You just like, yeah, he, you just, and, I mean, and even he, when he missed, it was pretty. He brought, his, he brought his shooting coach over from Germany with him for his entire NBA career, which I thought was good. Just to put it into context for you guys who are a little bit unaware, the only players ahead of Dirk Nowitzki in career scoring Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Karl Malone, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He sits sixth on the list. He's ahead of Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, Carmelo Anthony. He's got a 4,000-point lead on Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if Carmelo's going to score 4,000 more points before he retires. The way the Lakers are playing, I'm not so sure about that. But that just puts into context, if you were unaware of just how great Dirk Nowitzki was. was so what does that MVP. make him? Sixth all- Is sixth, he sixth? Yeah, sixth, sixth all time. Oh, sixth all time. Sixth yeah. all time. The greatest Europeans ever do it until Giannis retires. That's what I'm saying. But we're going to keep it moving because it is busy around the NBA. And it's right. not all smiles and it's not all good times because there are some teams struggling. Now, if you uh, locked into this podcast, the other day we spoke about Jeremy Grant and I said, I want to see him on the Bulls. BJ said, I want to see him on the Hawks. And then 24 hours later, 48 hours later, all the media yeah. outlets started reporting Jeremy Grant trade. <laughs> a lot of them talking. It's very similar to what we were saying. Now I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Whoop, my headphones almost. I'm not up. saying, but I'm saying. I'm, I'm not what saying. What a coincidence. I'm not saying it, but somebody said it in it. Somebody said it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it was me, but somebody said it. What a coincidence. Anyway, the Atlanta Hawks. They need to make a move because 
Right. They're terrible right now. Now, a fan tweeted me the other day. They said, uh, I think they commented on a YouTube video or, or something. They said, listen, I'm not worried about the Hawks. They're, they're going to make a, a second half charge for the playoffs like they did last year. But the difference between this year and last year is they're not going to change their coach, or they could. But last year, they got rid of Lloyd Pierce and brought in Neymar Millen. And that was the spark plug that really changed things around for that team. I don't see that happening again this year. So they need to make some sort of change. And if you're not going to change coach, what can you change? You're going to have to change the personnel and the players. Then in Gadanari, he's realistically not going to stick around after this season because only 5 million of his 90 million is guaranteed for next season, as we spoke about previously. Cam Reddish, are they going to be able to pay Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter and then eventually Onyeka Okongwu whilst they've just paid John Collins and just paid Trey Young and Clint Capella? I don't think that financially that's going to work. So that's why if you missed the last episode, those guys are going to have to get moved. Now, BJ spoke about, if you want to go back and listen to episode two or three of this podcast, BJ spoke about them trading for Jeremy Grant of the Detroit Pistons. Another name that's floated about is Harrison Barnes of the Sacramento Kings. But BJ, I want to ask you, you know, you've been on a variety of teams on your career, some very successful, uh, some that haven't been as successful as the others. What do you make of this situation where you've got such high expectations, you've been to the conference finals, you know, you took it out, the Sixers who, you know, everyone was expected, you know, everyone was expecting to be there. You've taken them out. That was after you went to Madison Square Garden and beat up the Knicks who were the fourth seed and you were the fifth seed. And now this season, you're just not quite living up to the expectations. What's your take on it? We're, we're still referring to the Atlanta Hawks, correct? Yes. Well, what I see with Atlanta Hawks and with teams like this, it's very difficult, Mo, to play when there's expectations. It's very Hello. difficult because it, requi- it requires you to play the game and take on the other team's best punch. It's a little different. The Hawks, they snuck up on everyone last year. And they come into an arena and you go, oh, we're playing the Hawks tonight. Okay, no big deal. And, you know, we didn't play because we, you know, we just didn't play well that night or we weren't ready or whatever. But now the Hawks are coming into town and you're like, this team was in the conference finals? Oh, <laughs> man, let me let me get ready. Now, yeah. the one thing that I see that's missing from last year to this year is the following. You know, when Nate McMillan took over, he provided them stability and he gave them leadership. He held them, I thought, accountable. Because I said this last year, Mo, and I'm going to say it again. You know, very rarely do you see a team do a 180. They went from a rebuild type scenario to suddenly they wanted to win. That's why... They got, I can't think of uh, what's the coach's name that they fired last year. Uh, Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce. They got rid of Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce was brought there to rebuild and develop. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we went into, we want to win mode. Like how that, how, when did that happen? <laughs> okay. But I give Nate McMillan credit. Nate McMillan came in, held everyone accountable. Nate is a no nonsense guy. And that team responded to his leadership style. Now, that only works for so, for so long, Mo, if you're going to have a team that's going to have sustained excellence or have the ability to win over a course of 
two or three or four seasons. You have to have leadership from within. The one thing, Nate, I had, I mean, Nate, the one thing, Mo, I hey, haven't seen from this. I'm honored. Yeah. NBA coach. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm like I'm talking to Nate McMillian. You know, Nate is one of my guys. The one thing that I haven't seen from this team is they haven't had what I would call superior or excellent leadership from within. And when I mean from within, within the team, you know, Trey Young puts up incredible numbers. He's still young, though. No pun intended. He's still, still, yeah. He, he's, you know, he's still young. Then you have, you know, all of the other young players, Collins, so forth and so on. Now it's time for one of these young players to step up to a leadership role. That's what I see missing with this group. They have excellent talent. And I think that's the frustrating thing about watching this Atlanta team right now, because you're looking at their talent. They're deep. They're not not only talented. They're like too deep at every position. Yeah. But the one thing that's missing is leadership. The and GM. I think one of those players are going to have to step up if they're going to turn this thing around, because you can't keep asking your coach to coach them and be the leader because the players also have to take some responsibility and hold themselves accountable. And I think that's what's missing right now as I watch this Atlanta Hawk team. Well, their GM, Trevor Schlenk, says that they've got the second best offense in the NBA, but he doesn't know where to stand with regards to their defense. And I think it's similar to what we've spoken about with Damian Lillard and comparing him to Stephen Curry. For me, I'm looking at Trey Young. Even if you're not going to be the leader, you have to play some level of defense. You can't be getting beaten at the point of attack so easily in the way that he is. I know he's going to come and do the thing on the offense, man. But it all starts with defense and effort on the defensive side of the ball. And that's all got to start at Trey Young because teams are realizing that they're going to go at him on when he's on defense, they're going to go at Trey Young. So he needs to look at what Steph's done in Golden State to really improve as a defender. I know he's got the physical limitations of being six foot one or six foot or however tall you want to call him. But, you know, I think that's that's going to be an issue. Or either than that, you've got to find a backcourt partner that you prepare him with that could take on those hard assignments. Because this year, as great as Bogdanovich was last season, this season he's not lived up to, I think, what everyone expected him, to, the level of play that people expected him to play at. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Hawks. But what's going to be even more interesting than that? Do you know what's going to be more interesting than that, BJ? What's that? Tomorrow's episode of the podcast. So make sure you guys at home subscribe, follow, <laughs> leave a review. You know the segue because our time is up. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have enjoyed another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. It's Friday tomorrow. Get ready. The weekend's almost here. But me and BJ yes. are going to be rocking with you tomorrow again. We're gonna hey, 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 hey. I got one thing. One thing Give to me. say. One thing Yo. we didn't say. Tomorrow, hopefully, we will be, talk, we will be talking about the return of Clay Thompson. Yes, sir. I'm excited. We thought I was excited for Kyrie. Wait to see how excited I am for Clay because those three back on the court, Draymond, Steph, and Clay Thompson together. <sighs> Scary hours. The league needs to be put on notice. I'm very glad we didn't get to talk about the Celtics losing to San Antonio Spurs. So, till tomorrow, my people, have a great day <laughs> and make sure you get buckets, unlike the Boston Celtics. <laughs>